Oh, boy, I tell you, isn't God good? Good morning. morning. All right, all right, all right. You guys are working. Okay, good, good. All right. Thank you, Jordan, for all all the insights. and, And thank you. Rachel, for getting us excited about twisting and turning, and I'll try to try to get limbered up here. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and all of these things, it shows us that God's at work in our lives, really. He is, isn't he? And uh, I know this is a special day, and uh, we're going to go on, though, with our study in Acts 7. You know, we, uh, this is a great country we live in, but you know what? We're aliens here. We are members of the kingdom. We're, we're citizens of the kingdom. So, so my friends, what is God doing in your life these days? What's he doing, huh? I, I, have, to, I have to lead out with a little bit of patriotic stuff here, okay? According to uh, a guy named Mark Parsec, Independence Day celebrates America's declaration of independence from the tyranny of England under King George, right? The Declaration of Independence of 1776, he says, however, was not intended to declare war with England, nor did it actually establish our country's independence at that time. The Revolutionary War, which was fought for our country's freedom, did not end until a treaty was signed seven years later on September 3rd, 1783. Parsec says that the purpose of the Declaration of Independence for the colonists there was to declare to the world on their belief in a personal and infinite God, their creator, who endowed them with certain inalienable or absolute rights. The men of that time, to the men of that time, it, it, was, it was self-evident, it was, that if the inalienable rights that they were urging for were not seen in the context of Christianity, then really they were without content. They were illusions and nothing but just dreams. And to have absolute rights that our forefathers, they had to acknowledge the absolute authority of the Almighty God. And we need to remember that. You see, there is no true freedom without God and his authority to determine the morality upon which the laws of our land are based, period. In God, we find the basis for physical freedom. However, we also find in the Lord the basis for our spiritual freedom. God's provision for our spiritual freedom is found in his one and only son, Jesus Christ. Therefore, on this Independence Day Sunday, we have to view the freedom that we have today in the terms of Jesus Christ, not in the terms of politics or anything else, but in our Lord Jesus Christ, who is our Savior and our Lord. My friends, is God's spirit and freedom at work in your life today? Is it? Let's pray to him, shall we? Father, we just come before you this morning seeking your spirit to guide us in all things, Lord. There are many struggles going on out there, but we know true freedom lies, eternal freedom lies in you, Lord, and only you. You are the truth, the one and only truth. May we 
consider that our only belief, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So here in Acts, we continue our study of the trial of Stephen. Remember Stephen. Yeah. He was a good, godly man. He was. And one of the first deacons. You know, in this chapter, he was on trial, though, for his life before that Supreme Court of Israel. Uh, you know, the trial was a mockery of justice because all the charges brought against Stephen were all based on false testimonies, lies. However, during this trial, Stephen did something that, well, I probably wouldn't recommend any of us to do today in court. He defended himself. Hmm. Surely he was under the leadership of the Holy Spirit going through all this. He really was. And, and by the Holy Spirit, God spoke through Stephen to put that court on trial. That's what he was doing. And, and, and that stinging indictment that from God, well, we're going to hear that later on you know, near the end of chapter 7. But in today's scripture, Stephen continued his story kind of history lesson, so to speak, by telling the court about Moses, didn't he? And we're going to start, you know, we're, we're chapter 7, we're going to start with verse 17. And Stephen's talking about Moses' early years here. It says, but when the time of the promise drew near, which God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt, till another king arose who did not know Joseph. This man dealt treacherously with our people and oppressed our forefathers, making them expose their babies so that they might not live. At this time, Moses was born and was well-pleasing to God, and he was brought up in his father's house for three months. But when he was set out, Pharaoh's daughter took him away and brought him up as her own son. And Moses was learned learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. But when he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. You know, we, we look at a, a Bible hero like Moses here, and, and it's easy to see how God worked in his life, isn't it? But, but you can see God's work in your life too. Can you? Can you see God at work in your life? Every day? I hope so. You know, God was at work in Moses' life, and he sh is sh always at work in our life. Just please remember that. He's always at work in your life. So how does God work in our lives? When it comes down to it, how does he do that? Well, this scripture here helps us to see and recognize how God is at work. First of all, notice that the Lord sees our struggles. He does. He sees them all the time. Everything that we're going through, day after day, he sees it. And the children of Israel help us see this truth in those verses 17 to 19 where, where Stephen said, But the time of the promise drew near, which God had sworn to Abraham, and the people grew and multiplied in Egypt. But then another king <laughs> arose who did not know Joseph. And this man treacherously dealt with his people and oppressed his forefathers, making them expose their babies so that they might not live. You see, the children of Israel were going through this terrible time all of a sudden. Well, not all of a sudden, probably. But, but it may have seemed like God had just abandoned them after all of this. To them, it might have. 
But in verse 34, it reminds us that he is always on the job watching over us, over his people. He's always watching over us. He says, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and have come down to deliver them. And now I, and now come, I will send you to Egypt. That's what he told Moses. Hmm. The Lord's watching over the children of Israel. And friends, you know, he is watching over each one of you. He is. He loves you and he cares. He's always watching over you. And we need to know and trust in that every day. We may be going through hard times right now. And I know several of us are. I know that. But God knows what we're going through. It isn't a secret to him. And even when help seems delayed, we sometimes tend to lose heart, don't we? But friends, don't give up on God. Don't give up on God. John Killinger, a passenger who taught at Vanderbilt University, Vanderbilt University for 15 years, also served as a dean in one of the colleges. And he gave his testimony about a Christian lady who was trusting in the Lord. He says, I remember a delightful little white-haired lady I used to visit. Her name was Dean Gwaltney. <laughs> I, I sometimes teased Dean about having a man's name and told her I had been a dean also once or twice. Once I asked Dean who was, who was then in her 80s, how she felt about the change taking place in the world. Oh, I don't worry about it at all, she said with a twinkle in her eye. You know, God has always managed to bring the best out of the worst. And somehow, I don't think God's going to fail us at all anywhere. You see, God is not ever going to fail us, friends. Never. And we know the Lord's at work in our lives because he sees our struggles. Just because he doesn't answer you right when you think he should doesn't mean he's not working on it. But yet sometimes, because of that, he develops kind of a detour for us, doesn't he? <laughs> and Moses, I tell you, he knew all about detours. God had a great plan for his life, but it was a dangerous time in Egypt. For Hebrew baby boys, you know, boy. So the Lord made sure that Moses was safe in Pharaoh's house. As we read in verses 20 and 21, it says, At this time Moses was born and was well-pleasing to God, and he was brought up in his father's house for three months. But when he was set out, Pharaoh's daughter took him in and raised him as her own son. So after, then after Moses was grown, uh-oh, we see this big detour coming. We all had detours, haven't we? In verses 22 to 30, where the Bible says, And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in his words and deeds. But when he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brother and the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended and avenged him who was oppressed and struck down the Egyptian. For he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand. But they didn't understand. And the next day he appeared to two of them as they were fighting, and he tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, you are brethren. Why do you wrong each one another? But he who did this, who did his neighbor wrong, pushed him away, saying, 
Who made you ruler and judge over us? Did they forget that he was part of Pharaoh's family? I don't know. But uh, do you want to kill me as you did the Egyptian yesterday? <laughs> then at this saying, Moses fled and became a sojourner in the land of Midian, where he had two sons. And when 40 years had passed, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in the bush in the wilderness of Mount Sinai. An angel of the Lord appeared to him. In verse 24, Moses killed that Egyptian, thinking that, well, if I stick up for them, they're going to follow me. Thinking that, that he was ready to lead his people. Look at there, he's sticking up for them. And then 40 years later, when God called Moses to, to lead, he tried to turn down the job. <laughs> because he didn't feel qualified to lead the people. Moses thought he was ready when he wasn't. And, and then he thought he wasn't ready when he was. So how many of us kind of been in that spot, huh? <laughs> it reminds us that we're, we always need wisdom and help from God. We always do. And sometimes he develops us with kind of a little detour at times, doesn't he? You know, Moses learned a lot in Egypt. You know, it tells us in verse 22, Moses learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. But that wasn't enough, was it? So God took Moses out into the wilderness and gave him a job attending sheep. Moses had to learn how to be a shepherd. He did. And why did God want Moses to learn how to be a shepherd? Well, because the Lord's a good shepherd, right? Isn't he? And he wanted Moses to shepherd his people. He did. God also had to teach Moses how to wait 40 years because the Lord knew that the children of Israel would have to wander for 40 years. That was a sad but a necessary detour that he had to take. Because the children of Israel had to learn to trust in the Lord. I hope you guys don't need another 40 years to learn that. I hope not. <laughs> Nobody likes detours, do they? No. <laughs> but sometimes they're necessary. Uh, one day, Billy and, and Ruth Graham were driving through a long stretch of road construction, and they had so many shutdowns. But we see a lot of that today, too, don't we? Detours and stops along the way, and finally they reached the end of it all. And through all that difficulty, finally some smooth pavement stretched out before them. Oh, that's nice. That's when Ruth saw a road sign that said, End of construction. Thanks for your patience. And at that point, Ruth turned to Billy and said these words That's a great inscription to be on my tombstone. End of construction. Thanks for your patience. <laughs> And Ruth Graham is buried on the grounds of Billy Graham Library in Charlotte, North Carolina, and her grave is marked with a modest stone. <laughs> and the inscription on that gravestone says, end of construction. Thank you for your patience. <laughs> Ruth understood God's transforming work, didn't she? And it requires a lifetime, a lifetime to really know and church, God's not through with any of us yet. We're still breathing and walking. He's not finished with us yet. We're not home yet. We're on our way to the everlasting promised land, but we're not home yet. I'm sure that some of us would be willing to go home right now if we had the chance, probably, if the Lord would allow it. 
But he has some more things to teach each one of us. Some more things to teach us. Well, and his timing is always perfect. I guarantee you, it's always perfect. God is at work in our lives. He develops us with detours. And he meets us in a miraculous way. Moses reminds us of this truth in verse 30 to 33 because it says, When 40 years had passed, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in a bush in the wilderness of Mount Sinai. And when Moses saw it, he marveled at the sight. And as he drew near to observe, the voice of the Lord came to him, saying, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses trembled and dared not look. Then the Lord said to him, take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. You see, the Lord met with Moses in a dramatic and this miraculous way. This angel was just not an ordinary angel, do you think? <laughs> Ordinary angels don't say what this angel said in verse 32. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Through that burning bush, the Lord met with Moses in a dramatic way and miraculous way. But church, as I said earlier, it's good to remember that God is always with us, always always with us. Even when we're not aware of his presence, he's there. Well, God was close to Moses every day of that long 40 years that he spent in the wilderness tending sheep. God didn't just get back from a long vacation and, and then set that bush on fire. That wasn't his plan. The Lord was always there with Moses, watching him and helping him. And because of the cross of Jesus Christ, friends, God is closer to us right here today than you ever thought of. He is. Even when we're not aware of it. In those times, God is like a good father following the little toddler around like Scott's probably doing out there somewhere. <laughs> you know, and, and even when we're not aware of it in those times, God's a good father following us, you know, and, and, the, and, and that baby at times doesn't even have a clue that, that as a dad we're following him around. He's looking ahead, you know, wobbling around and, and seeing where he can go and what he, what he can do, what he can get into. But, but there's his father, it's right behind him with his arms stretched out, ready to catch him. Uh, Linda Sledge, uh, a lady, learned this lesson from a day she will never forget. She was a little girl playing on a Hawaiian beach near where she lived. But Linda wandered away from her parents, and suddenly a huge wave, wave knocked her off her feet and into the water. And she managed to get up, but retreating, the retreating wave crashed the sand out from under her feet. And then crash of another sand struck her, and she fell again. Linda cried out for her parents. All she could see was the vast ocean right out in front of her. That's all she could see. And she thought she was doomed. But then two strong arms reached out from behind and pulled her to safety. Don't be afraid, her father said. Don't be afraid. I've been watching you all the time. <laughs> you see, friends, that's what God's like. That's what God is like. And sometimes he makes us 
extra aware of his presence, doesn't he? You know, not with a burning bush necessarily, but with a burning heart, a burning heart to know and hear him. He speaks to us through this miraculous word that he's given us. And we realize it. We know that he's here. We know that he's right next to us. And just like those two disciples on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24:32, we can say, we can say, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scripture to us, the word? It's, it's a holy and humbling thing, friends, isn't it? To be aware of the presence of God. I mean, even those who walked with him fell at their feet, you know, when they were in his presence. Friends, God's at work. He's at work in our lives, and he meets us in miraculous ways every day. And he has an important mission in mind for each one of us. The Lord reminds us of his truth as he speaks to Moses in verse 34 when he says, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and have come down to deliver them. And now come, I will send you to Egypt. Are you ready? Are you ready? God had a mission for Moses and God has a mission for each one of us here today. He does. Maybe it's not to lead a nation, but he definitely wants us to make a difference in the world out there. And and he definitely wants us to help other people make it to the promised land. He does. Cleavon Matthews explained our mission this way. He says, as, as individual Christians, we have an assignment And every assignment given to us from God is important. For example, here are some assignments that he listed. First of all, proclaim, proclamation in Mark 16, 15. And he said unto them, go ye into all all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And then to illuminate this to people. Illumination in Matthew 5.16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And consecration. Make it a part of everything. 1 Peter 1.15. But as he who has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Careful what words you speak. And then also maturing, maturation in 2 Peter 3.18. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then finally, dedicating ourselves. Dedication in Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, God has a mission, friends, for each and every one of us here. And for whatever stage of life or station of life we're in, God's at work in our lives. He has an important mission in mind for us. And he wants, 
He surely wants to save our souls. He does. And this is the message for us, finishing these verses today, where the deacon Stephen said, This Moses, whom they rejected, saying, Who made you ruler and judge, is the one God sent to be a ruler and deliverer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. He brought them out after he had shown wonders and signs and in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness 40 years. This is that Moses who said to the children of Israel, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like from me, your brethren. Him shall you fear. And him shall you hear. Who's that prophet? Jesus. Yeah. Lord Jesus Christ. God sent Moses to lead the Hebrews to the earthly promised land in Israel. But he sent Jesus to lead us all to the eternal promised land in heaven. Moses was only a picture of what God had in mind. And, and, and Moses could never pay the price that Jesus paid to set us free and take us home. He couldn't. Jesus left his home in heaven. He came into this world, into this broken and hurting world to hurt for us. He hurt for us. He came to suffer and die on a cross for us. And then Jesus rose again to save everyone who will hear him and receive him as Lord. Stephen knew this truth when he was saying these words. He knew it beyond the shadow of a doubt. That's why he was on trial for his life. Friends, God wants to save souls. He does. He loves you. He loves you. I, and, and I... And I talked to her about this, and Carly, you may have to help her if she cries here. But <laughs> I think about my sister coming to know and trust the Lord deeply. I do. <laughs> she had a hard life. She did. She had a hard life. She went through two terrible marriages. It was so bad that she really never talked about it much. <laughs> However... Jackie's life brightened a lot after the death of her last husband. Several years later now, she sees God's hand at work through many of those tragic circumstances. And she's ready to trust in Jesus. Wow. <laughs> God gave me the privilege of baptizing her again to the Lord. And she's been through many detours, friends, many detours. The detour of a short, terrible marriage. A detour of not being able to attend church when she wanted to. Detour of a rebellious daughter who broke her heart. Detour of false friends and a detour of a terrible illness. <laughs> She's been through a lot of detours. But she still puts her trust in Jesus Christ. And God has been at work in my sister's life. Ah. <sighs> When she went through terrible heartaches, and mostly when she couldn't see it, God's hand was at work in her, just as it is in each one of us today. Each one of us. <sighs> and friends, we should know, and we should believe, and we should trust 
that God is at work in our lives today, each one of our lives. He sees our struggles. He develops us with detours at times. He wants to meet us with miraculous ways. And he has missions in mind for each one of us. And he wants to save souls. You see, God is surely at work in our lives. And friends, celebrating Independence Day, I I reflect on God's gracious gift of liberty in the midst of, of this most favored land that's turning darker. In our gatherings this Independence Day, let us all remember that where the Spirit of the Lord is, that's where true liberty is. Let's savor this truth as we go to God in prayer right now. Father, we thank you so much for your love, for your continued presence in our life, Father. Even when we seem to just I don't know, just ignore or get too busy to see it or distracted, Father. May we focus on you, Lord, because that's where our true peace and our true freedom really is, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you cared enough to make a way for us, Father, to save our souls, so that we might follow you, Lord, and share your light, the way we walk in your light, and that others see that light, Father, everywhere we go, Father. We thank you for this, Lord, in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.